A very good morning to you all. Um, my name's Rich, as Luke just uh, mentioned. Um, yeah, Nation Sunday, right? Um, I could get used to wearing a suit to church. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, wonderful. Um, it's such a great opportunity to be able to celebrate um, the nations. As we're going to see this morning, God's heart is 100% to redeem the nations and create one holy nation. Um, And we're going to look at that. We're going to delve into that today. Um, If you've been tracking with us, um, then you'll know that we've been in a series called Worship and War. We've been looking at the life of David. We're taking um, a break from that this week to celebrate the nations um, and to look in at scripture, um, at what the Bible teaches um, about the nations and God's plan for the nations. Um, Just before um, I dive in... um, I just, I just want to uh, kind of, I guess, highlight really, um, if you are, um, if you are uh, I will say, British um, and um, you struggle with the concept of celebrating the nations um, because you don't quite understand what it is to be a part of the British nation and you struggle to express yourself, um, I want to say that you are not alone in that. Um, Within society, particularly within British culture and Western culture um, at large, it's very much focused on the individual. Um, what that means is by focusing on individuals and our own personal needs and expression and ideology and um, I- I- impressions and ideas, what we do is we erode any sense of um, corporate identity um, because we focus so much on the individual. And that's actually, that's actually a bit of a problem, um, and, 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 and uh, we won't necessarily have time to tackle that in much ways, but if you're um, here and you're struggling to think to yourself, well, what does it mean to be British, um, eating fish and chips on a pier in the rain? Um, that might be what you understand British to be, that's what I grew up doing, um, but, 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 but there's more going on there. Um, and, and actually, you'll see it's incredibly biblical um, that, we, that we explore this idea of the nations um, and what um, the nations mean in the context of God's um, grand plan. I will also say um, there is a difference between um, a, a, a national identity, a cultural identity, um, and nationalism. Um, so right at the beginning, just to, just, just, just to um, say right at the outset, to have a cultural identity, a national identity, is a good thing. It's a way that God has designed a diversity um, within the earth to express um, who we are. That diversity was God instituted. Um, but actually, um, nationalism, where we then take that national identity and place it as a higher priority or above every other um, ideology or national identity, is actually um, a, a gross misuse um, of the concept of um, cultural identity. And so I just want to say that right at the outset, that actually we want to celebrate the diversity and the, the expression um, amongst us without necessarily falling into the trap of, of, of idolizing or placing one um, nation or one um, culture over another, except maybe God's nation. But we'll get into that um, in just a minute. Um, so we're going to jump through quite a few scriptures um, as we uh, do this. Um, so I hope you're up for a bit of a journey. Um, the majority of them will come up behind me on the screen. Um, and essentially what I'm going to do is I'm just going to chart, if you like, um, God's, God's plan for the nations right from creation 
um, right through to what we will see as um, the end of time in the book of Revelation. Um, So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me um, to Genesis 1, um, and we're going to jump in at verse 27 um, to 28. Now in order to help me, um, I am going to need... Uh, some volunteers for this. I thought it's Nation Sunday, so let's have some fun. Um, so I need 11 volunteers. Don't all jump your feet at once. <laughs> uh, I need 11 volunteers. Just come on down, um, and then uh, I'm going to give you a part of um, a body. Um, so just hold on to these for just a second. Um, there we go. There we go. You can spread them out amongst yourselves. Um, we, 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 we probably have a few more. Yes, we're, probably, we're in need of a couple more volunteers. Yeah, great. Perfect. Okay. It's getting exciting, isn't it? Um, so Genesis 1. So let's jump into Genesis 1. So right at the beginning of creation, um, we see in Genesis 1, verse 27 um, and 28. Are we, are we? Are we all right? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's calm down. Um, um, do you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray before we delve into this. You guys can hang on for just a minute. Don't worry. We'll get there. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that as we read your word, um, Lord, your word is living and active. Um, Lord, we thank you that your word um, splits uh, bone from marrow, soul from spirit. And Lord, we just want to um, come and sit under your word, receive all that you have for us this morning. Lord, we, uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us open ears um, to hear what you're saying. Um, and Lord, we just pray that you would help us to understand um, the beauty, the glory, the majesty um, of the nations, Lord, that you um, have instituted. And God, that actually as those nations come together, Lord, that we would glorify you um, increasingly in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created man uh, in his own image. In the image of man, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so What we see right at the beginning of creation is God creates man and woman um, and he tells them to go and fill the earth. If you like, this is God instituting a nation, a one race, the human race, to go and populate and to, to, to have dominion over the entire earth. And so what we have here is we have parts of um, a body. God created um, male and female. And so we're going to put together the bits of the, um, he, uh, the, bits of the body um, quickly. So, uh, so we've got, who's got a foot? Who's got a foot? Who's got a foot? Yes, foot. So... Donald and Johanna, if you can be feet uh, down at the bottom. We've got some legs. We've got some legs. We'll want to hold, hide, hide that one for now. Um, that's it. So if we can put the parts together. So we should have a couple of hands. You've got an elbow there. I need a leg. I need a leg. Yeah, we've got a leg. Perfect. Body. Um, so. Nice. Yeah, how are we getting on? Uh, I've lost my leg. Where's my leg? Look at that, wonderful. Um, 
my beautiful artistic design. Um, not quite as perfect as God's creation, but um, nevertheless, an artistic genius. Um, <laughs> Uh, and what we see is right at the, at the beginning um, that God institutes that man should, should have authority, subdue the earth, fill the earth um, as one people um, across the earth. Um, actually, what we see a couple of chapters later in um, Genesis 3 is that actually um, through the fall, Adam and Eve, those, those, that man and woman, um, they, they sinned. And the Bible says they, they, they ate of the tree, if you know the story. They ate of the tree and they turned to their own way. They decided to do things on their own. Um, and actually from there what we see, uh, particularly in the first kind of five or six chapters really, is the nations of the world then being spread out. Um, across the nations. And all of a sudden, it becomes fragmented. The world becomes broken. This nation that God had instituted becomes um, disparate. Um, and so if all of you would like to go and sit down, um, to take your peace with you, take your peace with you, take your peace with you. And so now these nations are now spread over the entire earth. Um, and they are no longer um, in unity together. Um, and then we fast forward to Genesis 22. Um, where amidst all of this confusion um, and separation and fragmentation, um, in uh, Genesis 22, verses uh, 17 and 18, um, God comes to a man um, called Abraham. Um, and he says, uh, he says to him uh, in verse 17, uh, where am I? I oh, know it's on the board behind me. Um, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And so God makes this promise to Abraham that all of the nations of the earth are going to be blessed to, through him. Um, Abraham is one man. He represents one nation. Um, God says that through his offspring, as he becomes um, a nation. Um, so somebody that has... Ev Evan, if you come up here. Um, so uh, we've got Abraham, who uh, is a leg. Um, the knee. There you go. Oh, no. That way. Um, so... Um, and basically, God says, through um, Israel, through Abraham, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. So the rest of the body um, around him that's that fragmented, um, God is going to bless them. And there's two senses in which God did that. Um, one was that he called Israel, the nation of Israel, um, to be a light, to be a shining light, an example um, to the rest of the world. Those, those parts of the body that were fragmented um, and disparate. Second of all, um, through Israel um, would come Jesus. The promise of salvation to reconcile the nations back together. We'll look at that um, in a little bit. Thank you, Evan. You may sit down. Um, and we actually see this happen throughout the Old Testament. So Joseph um, is a man in the Old Testament who gets raised up in the kingdom of Egypt. He's put second in command over the whole of Egypt. And through that, Egypt prospers. Joseph, who is um, Jewish, who is an Israelite, um, is a blessing to the nation of Egypt. Um, we see, fast forward several hundred years, um, we see Daniel um, stands before Nebuchadnezzar, interprets a dream, and Nebuchadnezzar's response is, surely your God is the God of gods. 
Surely your God is the Lord of hosts and falls down and worships the Lord. And Daniel, again, in the nation of Babylon, although he's a captive, he's an example. He's a shining light. He represents a blessing um, for that nation and that they actually uh, would come to faith in him. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar decrees that the whole nation of Babylon should worship um, the Lord. And so these, these, guys, these guys are just examples of what Israel were meant to be. Um, and yet, unfortunately, what we see throughout Scripture is Israel actually, instead of continuing to be that example to the nations, instead of continuing to represent what it means to commune and have fellowship with God, um, to obey his law, um, and to, to, to live as witnesses for him, what we actually see um, is they actually become quite prideful. Um, they become quite arrogant in their way. They begin to look down on the other nations. God has chosen the Israelites. And with that chosenness, there comes a certain privilege. Um, and they begin to become quite uh, condescending of other nations. And they view themselves as set apart, as different, um, which they are. God has set them apart. God had made them. he chosen them to be a shining light. Um, and we see it's actually kind of, they, they, they get full of pride. Um, that actually they are somehow special beyond um, the plan and purposes of God. Um, and we can often adopt that attitude too, can't we? Is actually we, 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 we often think that perhaps our way of doing things, just like the Israelites, that our way of doing things or the things that we do or, or, or the, the things that we are comfortable doing are better um, in some way, when in reality it's, it's probably not better or worse. It's probably just more familiar and more comfortable. We, we, we find a comfort in, in knowing and predicting what's going to happen. And so therefore when something, um, when we come against something that we don't know or we don't understand, we struggle to comprehend it. And actually that can make us feel uneasy um, in who we are. And we can often then adopt this posture of kind of um, attitude or pride towards um, particularly other nations. And we do it with our own cultural identities um, as well as others. We all have blind spots. And actually, um, in society, what you often find is um, those blind spots are often best spotted by people that are outside of our immediate worlds. People that understand society and life beyond uh, what we're currently um, familiar with actually can make better observations of some of our blind spots. And so very often, some of my closest friends um, that would perhaps have a different uh, philosophy or culture around family would be able to spot things in the way I am with my family much more easily than necessarily I would. And that can hurt a little bit. But actually, it's so needed within the body. Um, And we'll come back to that in a second. And so in the midst of this um, confusion, Israel uh, taking pride in, in, in uh, being uh, looking down on the other nations around them. Actually, God isn't content with this. Um, and so what we see is um, we see Jesus come into the picture. Um, and so where's Adam? You were my Jesus, weren't you? Um, no, you're not my Jesus, but you, you, you represent... In this illustration, Adam, you, yeah, come, just come. Um, so um, we see Jesus uh, come into the picture. Um, And Jesus' plan um, and mission um, 
was to represent a coming kingdom. We see that throughout the Gospels, that Jesus frequently said, um, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, referring to his own kingdom, his own nation, a people that he was calling um, to himself. And actually, um, we see through Jesus um, that he institutes a new way of doing things. So if we uh, flick over on the slides to Ephesians 3, um, Verse 6, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, he says, this mystery is that the Gentiles, now the Gentiles were non-Jews. They were people um, who who were not a part of the people of Israel. Um, So you could translate, if you like, Gentiles, or what it represents, if you like, is the nations. It represents people that are beyond just the Jewish nation. And so if you like, verse 6, this mystery is that the nations are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So where... Israel had become quite puffed up and arrogant with, with the call that God had placed on them, with them being chosen. Um, then Jesus comes into the picture, um, and actually, uh, Jesus is the one. Um, Jesus is uh, uh, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so the nations, where are my nations? Where are my nations? You're all fragmented, separated. Yes, so the nations come back together um, in Jesus, so through Jesus, ahead, uh, as the nations, you can all come back, that's fine, don't just sit. So all my fragmented nations that are separated and spread across the world come back together um, to create this new body um, in Jesus. We all right, guys? You need a few minutes? Okay. And so now in Jesus, all of the nations are now um, unified through the gospel. You see, Jesus says um, the brokenness, the fragmentation, the sin um, from Genesis 3, um, through Jesus' good news, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection... That's been dealt with and these nations can now come back together to form this one nation under God. Thank you guys. You may sit down. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, In John 8... uh, Verse 12. This actually unfortunately won't come up behind me. Um, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That actually this, this, this sin, this rebellion against God that fragmented the nations, caused, brought about um, sin and death, um, actually, he says, um, actually, by trusting in me, by following me, you will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life that actually this new nation is to be a light to the world. And through this new nation will come life. Through this new nation, God is, is instituting what his, what his intention was right from the very start. And so Jesus came to piece these pieces back together. Um, he came um, to defeat sin, um, to defeat death by rising again. Um, and he became... Uh, And as we come and put our trust in him, 
And as we lean on him and as we repent of our own wrongdoing, our own sin, and put our confidence in him, actually we become part of this new nation in him. We become part of um, a national identity that is beyond just physical worldly nations. It's a nation that is instituted by God. 1 Peter calls it a holy nation. We are now part of his nation. What an incredible privilege that in Christ we can come and be part of his kingdom. In Isaiah 9 verse 6, um, again I apologize, I don't think this one will come up either. Um, A verse that is so often read um, at Christmas, but it shouldn't be really. In that uh, when we read uh, the plan and purpose of Jesus' coming to earth... In Isaiah 9 verse 6, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This, this, this nation that oh, there we go. Um, this nation that God has instituted is His kingdom. It's His government taking precedent over the nations of the world. And it says towards the end there, and of the increase of His government, there will be no end. His design, his plan, his purpose was that his kingdom would increase and increase and increase and increase and increase and increase and increase forever, from this time forth and forevermore. The question then is for us, so Jesus came and established this kingdom. So how does he continue to increase that kingdom? If it says, um, from this time forth and forevermore, how does he continue um, to establish his kingdom? Well, actually, God's plan is that the church would be that new nation. That actually his new nation is the church united together, united in the gospel, finding common identity in their freedom from sin, in their forgiveness that they found in God, um, that actually the church then would, if you like, be the beating heart of God's mission to save the world. It's an incredible joy and a privilege that we're now part of. You see, we are from the nations, as represented today. We are from the nations. And we've been called into his holy nation that we might then go and reach the nations of the world. And you see, I can say with absolute certainty that this will be accomplished through the church. Because in Isaiah chapter 9, it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal the passion, the compassion, and the intentionality, the purpose of the Lord of hosts will do this. The one who is faithful promises he will do this. 
The fact that we are here 2,000 years after the life of Jesus is testimony to the fact that he is doing this. Let's jump to uh, Luke 24. At the end of um, Luke's gospel, um, the eyewitness account of Jesus' life, um, Luke is writing, um, and right at the end, um, we see uh, what is almost a parallel few verses of another very famous few verses in Matthew. Um, and, and, and I thought, why not do something a little bit different? So instead of jumping to Matthew, I thought, let's jump to Luke. Um, because they basically say, mirror, um, mirror uh, commands. Um, and so in uh, verse 46 um, of Luke, uh, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, to those that are now, if you like, have put their trust in him um, and have become this new nation which at the moment is a handful um, of Jews um, just stood around, um, probably looking at each other going, what on earth is going to happen next? And in Luke 24, Jesus says, this, uh, thus it is written, that Christ should, duff, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. They're in Jerusalem at this time, um, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Well, that's quite a daunting prospect. If you uh, were there at the time, um, there were not loads of people, not loads of you around. You're probably looking at each other thinking, how on earth are we going to do this? He's told us to go and proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sin to the entire earth. And I've never left my few square kilometers. How on earth are we going to do this? And yet the beauty of what Jesus says, he says, and you are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. Well, what was that promise? That promise was the promise of his Holy Spirit. In John uh, 14, apologize, it won't come up behind me. In John 14, Jesus makes this promise. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Here's the promise. That Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, is coming to live inside you and me. He's coming to live inside his disciples, that they can take this thing to the ends of the earth. That they can preach this gospel across the world. That's God's plan, to reconcile the nations. That actually we would be one nation that carry the light of the gospel to the ends of the earth and see people redeemed, restored, see uh, man reconciled to God, see um, man reconciled to man, to see nation reconciled to nation. That's the heart and the plan of God. And God again says, 
I'm not relying on a bunch of fishermen. Don't worry. I'm going to give you my spirit. Luke is so certain of this, he repeats pretty much exactly the same thing at the beginning of Acts. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, perhaps slightly more explicit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what we are caught up in is something so much bigger, so much greater, so much beyond what we could actually even think or imagine. That actually through us, Jesus is reconciling nation after nation, tribe after tribe, language after language. That actually through us, God is reconciling the world. His chosen plan is that the church would be a shining light. And so in Ephesians 3, where we read that verse, this mystery that that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, in verse 6, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. The the nations have now been brought in. And then this is what it says from verse 7. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the nations, the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." This was according to the paternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Jesus at work in us, the church, as we allow Jesus to take that central place, as we allow him to accomplish his work of reaching the nations through us, the rulers and authorities look on and think, what wisdom? What is going on here? And so you might think on a Sunday that you just turn up to church. You, you, you might just think that you've walked through the doors and, and you've met a bunch of nice people and you're, you're kind of excited about this concept of the nations and hearing that. But actually what you've done by walking through those doors, you've walked into a new nation. You've walked into a new people. You've walked into the church, the manifold wisdom of God revealed to the nations. God's plan and purpose for reconciling the nations through us. And we can own this call. Because see, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of us that accomplishes this, that makes us witnesses. You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so we, as a church, are called to submit to Christ's government. Submit to his leadership. Submit to his kingdom, recognizing that we are part of something much bigger. We're called to submit to the government of Christ and to transform the nations. And now I want to fast forward to Revelation. Revelation 7. Will it come up? Maybe. Um, 
Revelation 7, verse 9. This is where it's going. If you ever wanted to know what is the plan for the church, this is the plan for the church. Uh, John, look, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, and clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they all fell on their faces before the Lord, before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. That's where the church is going. That we would gather together this new nation under God, under Jesus' government, from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, um, to come together in worship and adoration of our great and glorious King. And so there might be some of us sat here thinking to ourselves, well, I don't quite know what to make of all of this because I'm not necessarily called to the nations. I'm not necessarily called to go to another nation. Um, I don't feel that's right. London is where God's put me. Um, But I hope that you see from Scripture that even if you aren't physically going, there is something of the nations that God has put inside our heart through his Holy Spirit that we cling to, that we treasure, that we hold on to. That we say, actually, um, God, I'm going to believe that you are reconciling the nations. And actually, I'm going to pray for the nations of the world. I'm going to reach the nations that are around me in my community. I'm going to engage with people where they're at to see them reconciled to God. To see them witness, to to be a witness um, to them. Or perhaps you are feeling particularly stirred um, about going to a nation. Perhaps God has put a nation on your heart. Um, perhaps you're in a season of, uh, uh, of waiting or testing out a call um, and exploring what that might look like. Um, and I want to say we as a church are 100% committed to reaching the nations. Yes, there's practicalities, there's wisdom, there's ways that we do that, but we are 100% committed to reaching the nations with the good news of Jesus. Absolutely. And so what I would say is don't go silent. You can get trapped in the busyness of life, and this initial kind of um, spark that God's put in your heart can go quiet. It can begin to fade. Um, But don't let that happen. Chat to brothers and sisters. Come chat to the elders. Come chat to um, myself, to Luke, Steph. We'd love to, to, to explore what God is doing. You see, here at Rev, we absolutely feel passionately that, 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 that reaching the nations cannot just be um, a theological statement or an understanding or a philosophy or an outlook. We actually have to practically do something to reach the nations. And that's why we look to plant churches. That's why we've sent the Rileys to Gdansk to reach that city, to reach Poland with the message of Jesus. That's why uh, the Tarries, all of these guys on the video, that's why the Tarries um, are in Frankfurt. 
That's why Asia and Lena are in the Middle East. That's why the guys in Seoul are pursuing what it looks like to plant a church in these cities and nations. But aren't there enough churches in those cities? Yeah, absolutely. But there's plenty of lost people. If our primary purpose is to go and reach the lost, then it doesn't matter which city we go to because we're going to reach the lost. We're not going just to gather a bunch of Christians that are coming out of other churches. Um, We're going to reach the lost. We're going to be witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ was alive, died on the cross for our sin, rose again, giving victory over death, and calls us to partner with him in this gift of life, in this salvation plan for the nations of the world. And so that's why we're taking up our special offering. Because a lot of this takes, takes time. It takes prayer. It takes energy. It takes resources. It takes money to see these things accomplished. And we want to be able to bless um, some of those church plants that have gone out from us. We want to be able to resource church plants that will go out from us. Um, we want to be a part of what God's doing. And we want to be ready. And so a special offering is not just a nice opportunity for us to you know, throw a few quid in a pot and see where it goes. This is us partnering in the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Because that's the call on us, brothers and sisters. That we are to take this message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So if you want to stand to your feet, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. If you have uh, children in the kids' work, then please do go and collect them. Um, The kids' workers have been prepped, um, so please do go grab them. Um, We'd love to do this as a family. Um, So we're going to sing a song together, um, and then Luke's going to come and help us as we administrate um, the special offering. But I'm going to pray, and then hand over to Joe and the guys. Just before I pray, I just feel like there's, um, I, just, I just feel like God would say, um, there's, there's just a couple of people here, and perhaps when you first became a believer, um, you were pumping with the nations. There was something God had done in your heart about reaching the nations. It may even have been that God put a nation on your heart, but over the last few years, that, that, that kind of flame, if you like, or that fire, that passion has just seemed to wane a little bit. Um, and I just really feel like in this moment, God wants to begin to reignite some of that. And he really wants to give you kind of a fresh perspective on what it is that he's called you to. If that's you, then just where you are, just close your eyes, lift your hands. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have a great and glorious plan for the nations of the world. Lord, thank you that, uh, Lord, you are about, uh, Lord, establishing your kingdom, your holy nation right across the earth. Lord, that we have brothers and sisters, Lord, from that, that literally span the globe. Lord, thank you, God, that you are doing a mighty work in and through the church, through us. Lord, and it's not just a nice idea, this is biblical truth, that, Lord, you are reaching the nations. And, Lord, we want to, we want to just recommit ourselves to you, 
recommit ourselves to your plan and purpose and say, Lord, we want to be your witnesses, Lord, in London. Lord, we want to be your witnesses in this city to the nations. Lord, we want to be a witness to the nations of the world. Lord, we pray, God, you would fill us with your spirit, equip us with power, Lord, to accomplish, Lord, what it is you've called us to. Thank you, King Jesus. Amen.